Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the north to the south, from the east to the west, I summon you, God of the Pit. Come to us, infernal legions, Satan, father of men, God of gods. Take a look at your children. Tonight they give you their souls. Episode 131. Greetings and felicitations, children of technology. I am your hosted with the leastest. Rivet heads, earth dogs, especially, and rivets. Chains and leather forever, my friends. This is Alan Averill. You are listening to Agitators Anonymous. This is episode 131. Do you know the lyrics at the top there? Mm-hmm. It's a male blood ritual. Is it black metal? Of course it's black metal. Is it black doom? Hmm. Curious, curious. These are another questions I might get to today. Episode 131. You can follow me on Nemthiang underscore Primordial on the gram. Primordial underscore official uh, for all those kind of things. Primordial is about to go and play this weekend um, at the Heavy Hamburg Halloween show, which you should go to. It looks like it's going to be an amazing uh, event. We've got Night Demon, Portrait, Witch Hazel. Great stuff. Um, Loads of great bands. Then on Sunday, we're playing with, as I said before, Zeal and Ardor and Runes of Everest, the mighty Runes of Everest right before it. That is in Hasselton, Belgium. So try and get to those if you are able to. Some of you sent me messages, um, messages of support for my expression of love and gratitude for the heavy hair of the mid-1980s. Maybe I need to do a deep dive on a top 10 heavy hair albums. But for now, I would start with Icon Night of the Crime. And if you don't know that on Tuesdays, um, it's a bit less advertised, if we can call it that. At least I'm not out there um, pimping it too much. But Tuesdays is the sort of slightly shorter, often slightly more tongue-in-cheek-ish, heavy metal rock music kind of ramble about a bunch of different things. Fridays can be a bit more serious, etc., etc., just in case you need to hear the dulcet tones of my voice twice a week. Like I said, there are some people who message me and go, I have no idea what you're saying, but it puts us to sleep. You have a wonderful Irish lilt 
the totally tropical taste. Um, anyway, yes, especially and rivets, chains and leather forever. I love that bit in Chains and Leather where somebody in the background just goes, and rivets, just like in case you forgot. If you're working on a construction site or something and you're busy, you know, hammering, um, I don't know, two planks of wood together, listening to Running Wild, and you thought, hey, and rivets, right? Anyway, and rivets. Um, what the fuck am I going to talk about today? Well, what I want to talk about today is doom, doom, and more doom. And not the usual doom and gloom I discuss, but I think, I think slow music, not necessarily true doom before you true doomers out there, um, slowly try and zombify me the next time you meet me at the bar or whatever else, but slow music, sad music, and why we kind of don't seem to like it anymore, do we? Or maybe I just don't know about the kinds of sad music that we do like. Um, I won't do an old man shouts at clouds kind of thing, wondering why in the mainstream there's really no room for Let's say a modern version of The Cure. Well, I mean, I don't think there is, but is that really the question right now? I mean, look, Robert Smith is 60. Has anybody ever seen him and Blackie Lawless in the same room together? I'm confused. Maybe not. Anyway, I feel I've kind of worn that furrow out, which is to say, hey, take a look at this stuff in the mainstream, etc., etc. Why is there none of this in the mainstream? Well, what the fuck do I know? But many of the things I hope to get to in this podcast are applicable in the mainstream, I think, but also in the micro world that we inhabit in metal, in the underground, in whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, let's see why it is that somehow this kind of music doesn't seem to have the same um, purchase, the same power, the same emotional weight it used to. And we'll see if I get to some conclusion. If not, I don't know. Hit me up in the DMs, slide into my DMs and let me know if it's just nonsense that I'm talking. Um, did anybody like the new Dark Throne song? I didn't really like it that much, to be honest. Um, I quite liked the last album, the sort of minimal sound, although I would like a bit of a, a bit more meat in the bass end, but quite liked the last album. Um, hadn't fully digested it yet, and then there's a new song. But I'll get to that. That's a slightly different thing. Um, speaking of The Cure, has anyone else listened to the new song that is online? There's a few new songs. Somebody has um, recorded them online on the new tour, and sort of cleaned up two or three songs and sort of put them out there as sort of rehearsal versions. And there's at least a live version of a song that seems to be called End Song. And wow, goddamn, this is heavy. Uh, heavy stuff. The Cure moving back to somewhere between disintegration and pornography. Um, I do love The Cure. And End Song. I think one of the lines is, how did I get so old? Um, Robert, I don't know, but I'm not that far behind you. But partly this podcast is inspired by, let's take 1988 or 1989 and mainstream pop. Um, is it really pop? I don't know. At least popular music and use The Cure, The Smiths and let's say Depeche Mode as examples of music that just doesn't really exist in the mainstream anymore. Huh? And then I'm going to try and talk about doom, evoke the specter of doom death. What the hell is that? And just try and ramble across this for um, a Friday afternoon. It's Thursday right now, it's cold and grey and rainy in Ireland. I have a glass of wine poured um, and, well, let's see where we go. All right. So, what I'm trying to get at is, do we have the headspace for things so gloomy, wordy and introspective? Um, when I get emails, you know, asking me as a musician, I get spam emails. Um, do I want to take part in a TikTok tutorial? And I think, my God, I think I'd rather shoot myself um, than take part in that. But a TikTok tutorial. 
And it's not the first time that labels have asked me about, are you going to get on TikTok? Or really, a middle-aged man um, getting onto TikTok to do what? To cut my songs up into 15 to 30 second bites in the hope of some kids deciding to take that bite and turn it into a drop. Or whatever that means, if I got that correctly. Who knows? I probably didn't get that correct. But I mean, I'm not really supposed to, right? I mean, um, I said before, this is kind of how Lorna Shore, amongst other bands, got popular. And I think it's kids reenacting scenes from Stranger Things. There's a master of puppets, blah, 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 blah. But is it hardly surprising, at least, that music is for many young people, as I stated before, rather than being the soundtrack to their lives, the backdrop to their moments? And are we also within the metal scene? Are we to blame for doing that as well? I think we maybe kind of are on some level. Let's try and dig into that. I also want to get to um, what happened to Doom Death. But we'll see if I get to that. Um, I feel a deep dive on the phenomenon, 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 phenomenon that was doom death. And where it went to would be a really good topic. So let's see, because many of those bands in the early to mid 90s sold so many records, it would make your head spin if you saw the actual numbers. And then that scene just kind of disappeared. Stoner Rock came up, etc. And it was just sort of buried. But anyway, let's talk metal. What I was wondering about was, take, for example, the mid-90s. Admittedly, a pretty grim time. A pretty poor time for traditional metal. You know, 92 or 91 was kind of the last stand of traditional heavy metal for a couple of years. You had Merciful Fade into the Unknown, Triumph of Steel, Manowar and Painkiller. Those three albums are in my head because I bought them all within the same six to nine month period. And then um, it all just kind of collapsed. I mean, in Dublin... The metal scene gave way to ecstasy and dance music scene and there was no more gigs anymore because all the promoters moved into, well, basically selling ecstasy and filling um, the mansion house and other rave places. You could hardly blame them. They just stepped sideways and went, mm, not, not so much money in bringing over Carcass and Death and Deus out of Morbid Angel. Let's just step, step sideways and sell ecstasy at the door for 25 quid or whatever. Um but there is a documentary called Notes on Rave. I probably recommended it before, but I would have a look at that. Notes on Rave, which is about the old Dublin rave scene. And it was very metal adjacent. Lots of people went from one to the other. Um, but it basically sort of, I suppose, kiboshed some of the activity that was in the metal scene in 91, 92. What the fuck am I talking about? Who knows? But that's why you're here, right? It's called Agitators Anonymous. So anyway... The mid-90s. Admittedly, it was a poor time for metal. Um, and we had the birth of the cultural nadir of modern rock, which was new metal, was just around the corner. I mean, it's a gateway drug. I understand it. But hey, my gateway drug was Master Puppets. You got break stuff. And it's okay to admit that what we listened to at 12 or 13 ain't that great. But we were debating last weekend. We were away at Wren at the awesome Samhain Festival. And what we were debating was, myself and the guys from Fen, awesome band, check them out debating many things over a bottle of straight whiskey in the back of a car for some reason. Um, but the debate was, would Typo Negative, who aren't Doom, yes, I know, but thank you, would Typo Negative be as big now as they were? I mean, no, of course, is the principal answer. But um, I think no one really will. But let's say Typo as an example. Uncompromisingly dark debut. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard Slow, Deep and Hard. I love this record deeply. And it is very, very violent, very, very um, extreme, I think, on some level. But you get Bloody Kisses, which I think was Roadrunner Records' first million-selling record of this period. 
um, a million, million and a half copies or something like this. Um, like I said, it's not Doom before you all shout at me, but it's Doomy. It's slow moving music. Would people have the attention span for that anymore? Um, even 10 years ago, but specifically now. And I mean the modern metal scene, not only the mainstream. So let's get forget that for a moment. Um, but we are not immune from the same kind of distractions as the mainstream. Uh, as a anecdotal evidence, I watched thousands of kids wait for some nonsense on the main stage of Hellfest while Candlemas prepared on the other stage. Um, the kids who were dressed as cows and chickens and various farmyard animals seemed to have been waiting there for ages. They had um, water guns ready and all sorts of stuff. And Candlemas were preparing, but they weren't remotely interested. They were just getting ready on their side of the field. I mean, what am I supposed to say? I, I mean, Candlemas are an old band. Their famous albums are from 1985 to 1988. Is, it is that going to resonate with kids now? I get it. But what happened that this festival disease of dressing up somehow as an animal to cover over what, I don't know, whatever little personality that that does cover, but um, all seem to be on some level um, a sort of dumb optics, submitting to the idea that, hey, maybe I'll get a cool Instagram pic um, to get likes by wearing this dumb outfit. Or maybe that's giving them too much room. Too much headroom. Max headroom. But my point was, Imagine if Typo Negative was new, five years old. Um, would they be at that position where Candlemas were or this other band, whoever they were, on that stage anymore? Would they have risen so quick? I don't think so. I mean, look at the amount of work that's going into trying to make Unto Others, who used to be Idle Hands, um, sort of big. And, you know, it's kind of working on some level. But this meteoric rise to fame that something as huge as Typo Negative became, um, I think this music would somehow be classed as too boring for today's metal generation. Okay, so, you know, we got Alcest and other bands bubbling under the mainstream metal main stage, and, you know, Alcest um, have got the shoegaze vibe going on. They've got parts of My Bloody Valentine in there as well. But they are 15, 20 years old. Opeth, you know, the thinking man's sort of doom, um, or death metal, they're 25 years and older as well. Um, and it just got me thinking, could a band like Typo do the same thing they did now? I mean, one thing we have to take away is MTV. Um, and this is where we'll bring a tiny bit back to Doom Death, I suppose. But MTV was heavily rotating Christian woman back in the 90s. And there's no modern equivalent of that. And if there was, um, they would not be showing rock. But a six to nine minute video. Remember when Symphonaire by My Dying Bride premiered on MTV? All 12 minutes of it. And they showed it. This could be one of the biggest building blocks of their career and returns me to doom death and how huge they and bands like Paradise Lost and Anathema were in the mid-90s, um, selling literally hundreds of thousands of records. I mean, Paradise Lost sold 400,000 plus of some albums, I think. Um, and Anathema on MDB, 100,000, I think. Yet now, would something as dark and melancholic get um, the same attention? And why is that? It's because our attention span is it just shredded. Who would stand and listen to do 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 I should be paying my damn bride some kind of um, mechanical royalty for that because that must be the fourth time I've done the intro to Cry of Mankind on the podcast. But this 12, 13, 14 minute unfolding song from this huge album, um, part of it, I think, is that people's attention spans are shredded. You can pinpoint a few moments, but when we all had a mobile phone about 10 years ago in our pockets 
I think this is will be seen as one of the most pivotal moments in human history. And then when roaming disappeared to give us all connectivity at all times for good and for very bad in human history. And I'm not going to start talking about politics, but this is what was the beginning of the shredding of our attention span. Tiamat headlining Dynamo would not happen anymore, even for small boutique festivals. New slow bands just don't make the cut. Although someone will go to message me and go, hey, so no. Or is it just Sun? It's just Sun, isn't it? Well, there was something else going on with Sun, wasn't there? Um, I mean, is this the reason every new band seems to be wearing a mask or some kind of um, some kind of gimmick? Because the world is optical now and it's short term and you've got to make an impact pretty dramatically. And we'll get to Ghost, but we'll, you know, anything will do to capture people's attention and our attention spans just don't do doom and slow music anymore. We were thinking about it and we are talking about it. Um, there was more bands than that. Like them or loathe them in the, 19, the 1996 Century Media Generation, The Gathering, Tiamat, Moonspell, Samael, Nevermore. Of course, there's the, you know, this is dark, cerebral music. Of course, we have the horror of Stuck Mojo on the flip side, a new metal waiting to take over. Um, but you take Tiamat headlining Dynamo in 1987, um, and before them was Marilyn Manson and Korn. I'm sure Cathedral was somewhere selling 60, 70,000 records at this moment. But what happened? 10 to 15 years ago, there were Doom festivals all across Europe. You know, Doom Shall Rise, Doom Over Vienna, Doom Over Berlin, Doom Over This, Doom Over Wherever, However, Whomever. There was even Doom Over Dublin. Um, and slowly but surely, they all went the way of the dodo and became extinct. I don't know, did we all just get into retro thrash, occult black metal and leave doom behind? Or was it something more symptomatic about our attention spans in that this kind of music just fell by the wayside as the train kept on gathering speed heading out of the station? And we just demanded short, sharp party snippets of music. Um, you know, part of me wonders in a world where we're so bombarded by information, like as from the moment you wake up, we are our lizard brains are just not designed to take this much information, but so much of it is negative. We get horrors, infinite horrors, um, bombings in real time, murders, wars, abuse. Um, you know the Iranian, um, the Iranian military are doing such a thing. Look at Lebanon. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the other. Um, look at what's happening in Ukraine. Um, you know, here's Biden doing this, that, the other, barely able to spring your sentence together. Um, it is your vaccine doing this, is your this. It's just, it can literally be kind of like if you've ever watched the movie Clockwork Orange, which if you haven't, I think you should. But the last moments of that, when they are holding our main protagonist's eyes open, whose name I can't remember, I should have really looked that up. And they're just sh- It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Going him. Endless, endless clips of just horror and porn and war and death and famine. And he just literally just goes mad. Um, and this drip, drip, drip into our grey matter, it is, it's affecting us. And this is where I try and have some sort of sympathy in how we um, relate to music anymore. And not just be old man shouts at clouds, but who could blame um, the, how can we say the port in the storm that is listening to music, um, you know, with your whole attention span, when your attention span is being literally bombarded by every side, every second. Um, and people, they just want to, you know, they just want to turn off with their music. They don't want to reach for miserabilism. Uh, they want light relief. And I've mentioned the names before, but hence, and they just pop into my head. Hence, Eskimo Cowboy and Ailstorm or pastiche 80s computer game electronic music. Um, clogs the main stage the kids want to dance the kids they want to dance and jump around and dress up and not be told about the world coming down or the cry of mankind or as i die or whatever that hurts i could go on of course i'm um, cleverly um, shoehorning um, song titles into the podcast but we'll we'll leave it there um who could kind of blame them on some level they're just like look the world is fucked the world is burning Let's party. Let's have a good time. Well, we still got this summer left. And then you look at things, you know, like, I mean, I've seen things. I've alluded to it here and there in the podcast. But, you know, elements of the climate change moving, saying, hey, we have only got 12 more harvests. Harvests. Left. And somebody goes, all oh, right, that'll take me to 40. Well, I might as well fucking clock out and party till I'm 40 then. Right? Anyway, if you're just surrounded constantly by gloom, are you going to tap into gloomy music? I mean, would... Um, let me think. Neurosis, you know, one of the greatest pillars of modern creativity, um, a kind of synonym for what dark music can represent somewhere in the 90s and early 2000s, who kind of fell out of grace a little bit. You see what I did there? But um, and I think that's just because they just happenstance to stop playing live. And uh, maybe the last couple albums were not quite as good as this, you know, the Purple Patch. We don't need to say the names of the records. You know what they are. If you don't know them. God damn it, 90s and early 2000s neurosis is, has got the weight of the world around it. But um, the eye of every storm, the sun that never sets. I mean, of course, 
you know, these are the post 90s Neurosis albums. They were so weighty and had such a heavy um, feeling about them. Could this resonate with people the same way? I don't think so. Has a certain section of modern metal listeners simply clocked out of listening to anything gloomy like this? Of course, black metal has had a rebirth, in my opinion, in this time. Incredible bands like Mugwa, um, Krieg's Machine, uh, Death Spell Omega, Funeral Mist, Clandestine Blaze, etc. I mean, it's been a purple patch of and of so many great black metal. Um, and easily it's been the most artistically challenging art that there is in metal in this last 20, 25 years. When you say 20 years, let's say this century, let's say. But Doom, it's soul brother. To me, that's what Doom was. Doom was the soul food of heavy metal. Um, you know, it was the sort of yin and yang of the black metal thing that spoke to me the most. And I said that once in an interview that Doom was the true soul music within metal. Um, seems to have been sort of left outside or at least doomy music, which once easily ruled the roost at festivals. I mean, there was very few bands um, up until, you know, of course, the Emperors and Satyricons came along. But you take 95, 96, 97, there wasn't that much, you know, you know, black metalisms on the main stage, but there was a hell of a lot of doomisms on the main stage, whether, as I said, it was My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, Anathema, um, etc. But, I mean, look, I might be wrong, of course. But as I said, it feels like we're always, not always, but often reaching for a quick fix. Taking the time out to properly engage with something dark takes too much time. I mean, maybe a modern music fan will say, hey, 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 you old man, take a look at yourself. Or Billie Eilish is the new modern pop equivalent. I'm a sad girl, etc. Modern pop equivalent. But to me, it sounds infantile and childish, which it, I think clearly is. But the cure, it's not. This is not the modern... Um, Day's answer to Tori Amos or to Kate Bush or whatever you want. Am I wrong to put them in the same category? I guess I am. But am I wrong to criticize people who want to just go to a festival, get the beers in, put on a cow costume and dance around to Ailstorm or get dressed up to go clubbing after the metal bands have finished? Um, You know, do a line or two and uh, hey, hey, Carpenter Brute or Perturbator. Of course. I'm being kind of unfair to those last two as they do have some musical merit, but you get what I mean. I remember playing at Fall of Summer, standing on the side of the stage with Away from Voivod and Ishan from Emperor and the three of us just with our arms crossed and mouths open going, what the fuck is going on? Watching Carpenter Brute, maniac, maniac, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the tent just going nuts. I mean, it's hard to be, you know, the grumpy old dude who's like, you know, looks at so many people having a fucking great time and going, hey, 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 put a stop to this, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not sure that's what I'm saying. However, certainly not if, um, you know, if not, if during a nine-minute song, let's say this, The Doom. The Doom comes to the festival. You're standing there. You have a beer in your hand and a nine-minute song unfolds. Do you have the urge to take out your phone every 45 seconds or a minute? And I mean, hey, I'm not immune I find myself reaching for the gun in my holster um, for no reason either, very, very often. But maybe we're just in too much of a rush in the 21st century for something slow moving to resonate with us in the same way. Um, Listening habits have changed and it's something I find very interesting. But you're sitting here listening to me talking to you right now. And I do this with other podcasts, of course. I have... You know, I click a quick look at my iPad here and I mean, I'm following 30, 40 odd podcasts 
And if I listen, if I was to listen to all of them, especially Dan Snow's history hit, which clogs up every machine I have by releasing something every day. If I was to listen to everything every day that every podcast I follow put out, I would never listen to any music. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic? Unlike the song, of course. But, and don't take this the wrong way, my fine feathered friends and fiends, but podcasts have maybe on some level come to fill the gap where conversation you maybe once would have had at a gig um, were. Um, it's an atomized world and voices fill the space of what could be loneliness. Could it be true? I know it's probably true on my case in my moments, you know, where you go, you wake up, you make your coffee, put a podcast on to hear some voices, especially um, in an atomized world, as I said, where many people are living alone or have those times to themselves. Podcasts surely affect our music listening time. Many people, as I said, opt now for the podcast rather than an album, and they take the same amount of time. I mean, many podcasts are longer than Rain and Blood. It's no wonder that on some level, the music which takes time to absorb has so many modern things to battle with. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. I love the podcasting. I do genuinely enjoy sitting here like a madman talking to myself, knowing that it's reaching some people and people who message me back and it feels like there's some worth to it. I mean, that people listen never ceases to astound me. And I have my own, as I said, podcast that I love. But if I was to take up all my week with them, I would never, ever um, step outside my front door. But I would never, ever listen to, I would never listen to music. Maybe we need to make time for that again. For example, like, let me give you an example. Um, a new Incantation album just came out. Now, I goddamn love Incantation. I have done since the, uh, the demos. Well, the seven inches, more precisely. Um, Deliverance of Horrific Prophecies, for example. Um, what the fuck is the other one called? Yeah, the other one. Whatever the other one is called. Um, I should have thought of that before I started talking about them. Um, whatever. Anyway, Onward to Golgotha, etc. First album, I played it like to death. And I mean death. Um, and I really liked Sect of Vile Divinities. Just while we have a little bit of an incantation love in here. There's a new one out. There's a new one. And I just hadn't quite got to grips with the last one. There's a new Death Spell Omega album. I mean, maybe one of the most important bands of the 21st century, Deathspell Omega, a new one. And I'd only just about got to grips with the last one. Um, maybe I never even really did fully get to grips with the last one. And here we are, another already. There it is. I can see it from where I'm sitting, looking at me going, hey, you, you can't play me. Fucking absorb me. Get into me. Because, get into me, love. Um, because... Um, where, where's the time? Where's the space? You have to find the spice. Find the spice. God. Here's to you, Marco Polo. Yes, you've got to try and find the time and the space. I mean, I love Death's Bell Omega. I also love Incantation. But I feel I never got around to fully getting to grips with the last one of both of their albums. And here we are, another one already. Will I ever get around to conquering them all? Or are they just going to be vinyls filling up my racks? I'm trying. But that said, the new incantation is waiting for me. But my brain is like, hey, hey, you. This week, I also, off the top of my head, I had to listen to a podcast about the history of China and Taiwan this week. Did you know that the Chinese, during the um, revolution in the 1950s, the side that opposed the communists, um, escaped and exiled themselves in Taiwan? They were the other side of the same political party in the early 1950s. Oh, that's interesting. That's surely interesting, Alan. Um, where does phrenology come from? Who were Dahmer's first victims? 
Why is Ten Hag improving Manchester United? What's up with Rashford? What are they going to do with Ronaldo? Why are so many young men dropping out of college? Um, who owns um, the disaster that's Ireland's housing crisis? The Pendle witch trials. Will Putin really use a nuke? The history of the Romanovs. Who are the Tudors? What is Trussonomics and why did it not work? Why did the government in the US fail? Who's Rishi Sunak? A video report from inside Belarus. Child soldiers in South Sudan. Etc. Etc. Is it any wonder that music has a hard time in the world of my brain? Um, that being the shredded, tattered remnants, like I said, of my grey matter. I'm sure you're like me, finding the 60 minutes to just stop, switch off from it all and switch on the new Decibel Omega and, let's say, take in the lyrics maybe, put your feet up and absorb it. If you found that space, then you are a better person than I am because I find it fucking hard. It's hard, all right? So therefore, maybe I've answered myself. Maybe that's the answer to things perfectly. The news is so dark, fuck it. Let's switch off and go and get a beer. Have we just run out of time on music that takes time? Has modern life just literally conquered our attention span? I mean, you've probably heard the phrase, the attention economy. And what that is. If you don't know what that is, it means the longer you spend on a platform, the more money that is potentially worth to the platform. Which explains, for example, the reasons why channels run with the most extreme title to hook you in. And what hooks us in? Sex, death and murder. Fascists, phobias, etc. Reasonable woman says even-handed thing gets no clicks. It gets no traffic. And it's the same with your brain. Maybe with the way modern music is. We want um, a short, sharp fix. And once the old media model died, then is it surprising that anything, you know, and everything is like this? So in musical terms, can we just shift that... Um, sideways and say the same thing about music. Is this why things with hoods on, the gimmicks, with stage shows that people can film and post to their Instagram get the most attention? Um, how clever is Tobias from Ghost for understanding that and turning this into one of rock solid, um, rock solid success of modern times, Ghost, with some musical merit and proper songs. I'm not a Ghost hater. I really like the first album, really like songs from some of the other albums. Say what you want about Ghost. I mean, okay, the new album, I think, is a bit poor. Odd, kind of prog, poor, and oh, the lyrical puns. Oof, stop with the lyrical puns. But in the grand scheme, Ghost has successfully walked the line between music with some depth and meaning and understanding the need for optics and narrative and to never let people rest. New songs, new costumes for people with short attention spans. Ghost somehow is tailor-made for them. And Tobias manages to sneak in good songs under the mat. But... He's um, far and away the exception, I think. And, you know, when the songs are as good as they have been, it's okay for me. I have a sticker on the back of my toilet door. It says, reading is a revolt against the modern world. Just reading. Taking the time out to do it. Um, and I wonder if that's what we need to do. I've been trying to take 30 to 60 minutes out of my day to sit in the park opposite me and read a book, not check my phone. Um, it's possible. We need to try and do the same with music. Maybe you do already, if so, good for you. And you're sitting there going, what the fuck are you talking about, Alan? As always. But if you find it hard to engage the same way you used to, and I mean, that's got to be true. The time and space we had when we were 20, if you're now 45, you probably have kids, you have all sorts of chaos going on. Um, trying to find that 60-minute sanctuary to play a record and follow the lyrics like the new Decibel Omega is very difficult. And we get old. There's nothing we can do to stop that. I'm still working on a formula if I uh, crack it, I will let you know. But finding the time in the day, if you feel constantly hassled to listen to music is important. Um, damn it. 
I said I'd get to Doom Death for the record, but I didn't. I'm going to do a podcast about that next week. Doom Death is early anathema, crestfallen, but Death Doom is, for example, Asphyx, the rack. So what's Black Doom, I hear you say? Well, that's unholy. Could also be some male blood ritual. huh? Confused. Confused, my fine feathered friends, you will be. And I promise I will do a Death Doom deep dive over the coming week from Decompose to Course of Ruin via Catatona to Seven Church and the Gathering and all points in between as I think it's a genre that needs reassessing. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway. Actually, before I get on to the next part, I will do my best Paul Stanley impersonation. I went to see Kiss a couple of years ago um, in uh, Dublin and they had this video of, uh, you know, Kiss walking across the UK, walking across Northern Ireland and down to Ireland. And Paul Stanley went, I heard that you guys having some troubles between the North and the South. You are having some troubles. But I'm here to tell you that you just got to get along. Yeah. And in one foul swoop, Paul Stanley fixed the Northern Ireland problem. He fixed all of the issues with one, one simple little, you know, sentence like that, 800 years just washed away. And at the end of Paul Stanley's little anecdotes that he gives out, he goes, anyway, anyway, he just says that and then goes, cold gin, as if just like, what am I talking about? So I'll just do a Paul Stanley. Anyway, what could more perfectly sum up all this than the infantile celebrity that is Kanye West. Uh, some people have messaged me asking me to talk about that, but really, do I have to? Um, but his outbursts and comments and whatever um, they represent that just confuse me, and they are moronic. Let us compare him uh, to the figure of Roger Waters, who, poetry aside, cuts a prophetic character on the Joe Rogan uh, show. Wise, sagely, and even if I don't agree with everything, he at least represents something from another time um, that maybe is a little bit more cerebral and intellectual and slow-moving and takes its time to consider things before opening its mouth. Somehow, maybe there's a, there's a more developed allegory there, is that the right word, um, of Kanye representing what's happening now in Roger Waters from an old age, musically, culturally, socially, politically, all those kind of things. Um, but if Kanye is a spokesperson for this generation, then it's no wonder we are fucked. My friends, what am I talking about? Who knows? It's Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill, your hostess with the leastest. Don't take me that seriously. Episode 131 was supposed to be about death, doom, doom, death, whatever you want to call it. But I promise that will be next week. There's so much incredible music under both of those banners. Agitators Anonymous, episode 131. Over and out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.